0: Welcome to the BizCrush Podcast Series, where I interview successful South African entrepreneurs and movers and shakers in order to extract practical advice on succeeding in business and life. I'm your host, Jacques Poisson. Vanita Klein, a renowned business author and the owner of a highly successful consulting firm shares the winning formula for success. Keep your focus sharp and outwork everyone around you. With humble beginnings as a waste clerk in the banking sector in 1978, Klein's determination propelled her to become the first female executive director for Barclays in South Africa in 2005. In 1997, she participated in the Nelson Mandela professional development program, which provided valuable international experience in the U.S. banking sector. As the first female president of the Afrikaans Chamber of Business, now known as the SBI or the Small Business Institute, Klein emphasizes the importance of making a meaningful impact and understanding the intricate details of one's business to ensure sustained growth. Benita, thanks so much for popping in. I've heard so many stories, great stories from you, from Etienne. Uh, welcome Ian. and thank you so much for your time.
1: Thanks so much, Jacques. Pleasure to be here.
0: So tell us your story. Where where did it all start?
1: Well, depending how far back you want me to go, but I assume it's not going to be cradle to grave kind of
0: story. Uh, well, not grave, <laughs> but cradle. <laughs> where did where did it start?
1: Cradle. Grew up in the Western Cape on the Cape Flats. Um, so very much part of the struggle at the time. Uh, matriculated year of the nineteen seventy six. And went off to the University of the Western Cape, known as Bush, for its struggle credentials. And um, yeah, couldn't finish up because of the disruption at the time. You know, everybody wanted Madiba to be released. And I walked away after two years there with no credits at all. From there, I went what, what
0: did you learn, though?
1: I learned how not to throw rocks. That's what I did best, I think.
0: Not to throw rocks.
1: <laughs> Remember, those were the weapons of yeah, the time. Yeah, there yeah, were no yeah. other weapons uh, yeah. back then. <laughs> so how not to throw rocks and how not to waste my parents' good time and money. That was the key learning. From there, I um, sent out my CV, which at that stage had absolutely no university credits. And that did not stand me in good stead, but... I managed to get 50 CVs sent out just with my metric results. And of the 50 that I sent, I got one response. And I was so excited, Joke. It said, we acknowledge receipt <laughs> of your of your CV. Uh, <laughs> but what I very quickly learned, I think I, sp- I found out there how to grab every opportunity. And I noticed that it was signed by a Miss Slubbert. And guess what? Those days the banks used to close on a Wednesday at 12 o'clock because mainly run by men at the time, they used to go play golf every Wednesday. Really? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I spotted the opportunity to call Miss Lubbett every single Wednesday without fail at 5 to 12. And it was always just Miss Lubbock, just checking to see if there's no developments. And for three months there were no developments. And one day I think I cut it too close to the bone because she must have had another appointment. And... A minute past 12, you said to me, just come in, just come in already. Come in on Monday to this address. And that was the start of my banking career. That's incredible.
0: Mm. Well, well done. It's very impressive. Thank you. Yes, 50 CVs. My student year, so towards the end of the 90s, I I could still mail out CVs. And I actually, I think the post office worked back then. I got one letter after another, thanks, but... No, thanks. I mean, it's, it's actually, I, was, I wish I kept them. You know, it's one of those souvenirs. Not fun at the time when you get all these these no's, but at least they did acknowledge me. <laughs> but, Jock,
1: I must say, for me, that was probably the first business principle that I learned. How to check every situation for an opportunity.
0: Oh.
1: And tenacity yeah. is what got me in the door.
0: Yes, no. That's a great story. So, banking. So, that is, so that's where it started down there. What, you were teller? What, how, did, how did you progress in, in the bank?
1: No, no, no. A teller, Jacques, is a great position to have <laughs> in those days. I started. So
0: it's like the superstar. <laughs> I started
1: in a, in a role called a waste clock. Waste stood for write and sort teller entries. So it was, look, it was the lowest job in the bank. Any job below that would have meant on the pavement outside. Good so yes. it was right at the bottom rung of the ladder. And I progressed from there. In 1978 to 2005, when I became the first executive director running a retail bank in this country. Wow. For APSA Barclays.
0: Wow. Wow. So you were part of that, that whole APSA formation with Volksgeist Trust Bank, all that, that whole.
1: No, actually not. That formation happened, and in 2005, Barclays came back into the country and bought a 52% stake in APSA.
0: That's right.
1: And the then Minister of Finance, Trevor Manuel, had said that he wanted for every one um, British director, he wanted two South Africans. So we had, um, we had, I think it was nine, it was sorry, 10. And obviously we had the majority as South Africans. And I was one of the first group of directors in the new Absa Barclays.
0: Good heavens. And, and again, once again, obviously very impressive, but what are your learnings? I mean, if you, if you look back in, in, in those days, I mean, coming through the ranks, I, I, I guess what, what stood out, what, I always say, what, what should you do and what, shouldn't you do? So from those early days, what are the sorry, what are three key learnings, um, yeah. uh, nuggets that you can share?
1: For me, the key learning certainly was eye on the ball, stick to what it is that you can do best, and work very hard. In fact, outwork anybody else around you. Those were the three key things. Just to give you an example, when I started in the waste department, the bank would open at nine o'clock every morning. We would be there at 8.30. But I was at my desk. It was in a pool, you know, the group of about 20 ladies working in waste. I would be at my desk at half past six every morning. And I'll never forget my supervisor calling me in and she said, I hope you don't expect me to pay overtime, f- you know, for this work. <laughs> and I said, actually, that's not why I'm doing it. I wanted to make sure that by the time the people in the next, on the next rung of the ladder came in, all staples and gem clips were removed from the checks or the transactions that they would have to process through a big machine called the Burroughs S1000 because it was like pushing in a lot of paper and it would take it through a filter one at a time. And if there were any paper clips or gem clips, it would jam it up and would cost money. So
0: just mess up the whole productivity and and, and the day.
1: Absolutely. So I had no problem going in two hours in advance in order to clear the decks so that they could be more effective in what they did. And that stood me in good stead all through my career.
0: Making, a, I guess it's what uh, one of my favorite sayings is Zig Ziglar. So you help enough people get what they want, you'll get what, what you want. Side note question. So, who did you start? Where was the bank you started? Was it was
1: No, it wasn't. It, was, um, first, it wasn't first, it was Barclays Bank. <laughs>
0: Oh, so you're, you're, so, so, it was almost full circle back now in 2005, you know. I
1: felt like it was my homecoming. My goodness. Absolutely.
0: But Barclays later on, effectively, they, they pulled out, then it was F&B, or was it First National? How, how do, but my question is, how we have our big banks, it feels like, I mean, how are you better than the next bank? It's, it sounds like a stupid question in many ways, because it's almost like the same thing. How are you better than the next bank? You know, what, and, and in terms of the, the, the talent management, how do you make sure you're the best bank? I mean, it, that's,
1: you know, that's actually a very interesting question because, you know, banks always measure themselves in terms of market share to see who has the biggest market share. Because obviously the more clients you have, the more people you know are satisfied with your services, your products, and your pricing. So as head of the retail bank, for me, a big thing was customer satisfaction, So I would always ask my team, what is our unique selling proposition? What do we have that other banks do not have? Mm. Because that ultimately determines how many more people wants to be your client versus how many more people wants to be a standard bank client. Mm. Because even within the costing structure, you cannot cut your costing too much. They're all pretty much
0: much on par. The same.
1: The only thing you can give your client which is different is the way you make them feel, and the way you serve them. That's how you get your share of that cake increased. Mm,
0: I love that. It it reminds me of an example. It's typical American stuff, right? So um, this is about 10 years ago. So we're in Texas. And I walk into a Wells Fargo bank. And there's a queue. The next thing I smell popcorn. There's a popcorn machine in the corner. (laughs) And they're serving popcorn in the queue. Other, other than the fact that my daughter got a little bear, I mean, because it's just cute. It's like this impromptu, here's a bear. But I, I guess that's an example. Again, it's, it's about, it's all, having said that, it, the retail experience, do or did you at the time look closer at retail? She looked like fashion, traditional retail? Where did the learnings come from?
1: I like the welfare example. In fact, I was blessed enough in 1997 to be chosen to attend the Nelson Mandela Professional Development Programme, where I studied in America for almost a year. Wow. I worked for Chase Manhattan, I worked at the Reserve Bank, and I worked on uh, Wall Street. Sure. So my, my learnings have been very, very rich. Right place, right time. Madiba at the time went over to the U.S., and asked um, the then mayor, Mayor Dinkins, to help him train up 100 um, prospective leaders in this country, and I was one of the hundred.
0: Wow! And that's so New York. New York. That was New York, York at New York. the time. So yeah.
1: I worked on Wall Street, worked at the Federal Reserve. So a lot of my learnings were actually American. Wow! Even in and of itself. So you asked me. So which model, literally, did I actually latch onto? Was the Disney model? Okay. We talk I mean, about that's
0: all about customer satisfaction, yes. right? That's you, probably the best in class, right?
1: Absolutely. In fact, there's one story. Well, two things. Number one, I took over 10 people to Disney um, Paris. That was the one. And then I took 10 people over to Disney Orlando. Because I wanted the team to have an experience of what it is. um, Inside the Magic Castle is a book that we actually based our custom experience on. Talks about the CEO of Disney walking around one day. In fact, they they talk about a family, a, a father, a mother and a little boy walking around in Disney. And the little boy drops his ice cream. And within two minutes, somebody dressed up in a suit comes and scoops it up and arranges for another ice cream for the little boy. And off he goes. Now, at Disney at the time, every morning, they had an address by the CEO to all visitors. And the next morning when that family went to the studio where they heard the CEO speak, it was the same person who picked up the ice cream who was the CEO at the time.
0: Wow. Just lead by example.
1: I think I speak under correction. I think his name was Michael Hall. But that was the customer experience we brought into APSA at the time. And I will tell you, we were majorly successful back then in making sure our customer had a great experience in the bank
0: what was what was the impact? I, I know with Barclay's I mean obviously I, I spend a lot of years in England and I mean the Brits are the banking is is different right um, that that must have been a challenge I mean was was that at the end of the day was it more of a culture clash I guess the the fact that
1: uh, look. This is on social media. This is on an open (laughs) platform. So let me be as honest as I can. I wouldn't call it a culture clash. I'll call it a culture enhancement process. It was sometime almost you felt like you were scaling walls. But ultimately, the directors, the South African directors at the time, held our ground and got our British colleagues to understand that doing business in Africa is not the same as doing business in the UK
0: mm. and, I, and I find it incredible actually that how easily you can make that mistake assuming this is the way we do it in America the way we do it in England or for that matter this is how we do it in Africa um, you have to have to learn and adapt
1: can I maybe make a comment there Jacques I think it's important for any business person out there to understand we always think we get a model from the US we get a model from Europe and that's good for South Africa or for Africa as a whole that is a cardinal mistake in business. You do need to customize yeah. whatever offerings or findings you find to suit the markets of Africa. Yes. And yeah. in our country, obviously specific at the time to South Africa. But it's very easy. You can take that model and adapt it, and it becomes absolutely brilliant. I saw money being printed, but getting it right.
0: Mm. And again, it's coming back to stealing with your eyes, isn't it? It's, it's, it's learning, bringing back, but as you said, adapting, adapting it to the local market. What happened after that? So, so, obviously, banking is in your blood. What, what was the next, uh, next step? But you in Cape Town uh, the whole time?
1: No, no. I moved from Cape Town in 1999 to come and work for the Land and Agricultural Bank of South Africa. Um, and then in t- 2000... Where, where,
0: where were they at the time? Where was that? Pretoria. Oh, yeah, I'm Pretoria. They've
1: always been in Pretoria. Okay, I was okay. at the head office. I was chief operating officer. And then um, I then moved to APSA in the year 2003.
0: Okay, so two it was, it was prior, so just after the, I guess they said the, the, the merger was just settled in, so to speak.
1: Not really the merger, actually, not really. Taken no, no,
0: place. I mean the 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 app the forming of APSA.
1: Yes, the forming. So it was about of
0: APSA. five years in, wasn't it? Was it ninety eight? So somewhere could be right, there. Yes. Oh, yeah.
1: yes, yes. I don't really know the date, but you're right. By the time I got it, it was already the amalgamated banks of South Africa, APSA.
0: Do you know? And and, and again, obviously, before your time there. Talking about cultures and the fact that you had, what, Trust Bank, uh, Foscas, Allied, trying to think, and, and was it um, United, I think, Great. with the 4, yes, four brand. Correct. Wasn't, I mean, that must have been a hell of a thing. I mean, different types of banks or d- do you know of any, you know, challenges with cultural clashes and the, and the rest?
1: Look, it was before my time. I would imagine that there must have been. Mm-hmm. But by the time I got there, you know, you'd often hear people say, Yanni, you know, when we were still allied, we did this. So you still did have people mm-hmm. referring back to various things. But I think after about five years, that had pretty much settled. And, you know, it was a one APSA environment. Yeah. So I didn't really feel that much. No, I must say, I imagine it would have been there, but I can't imagine that. It certainly wasn't in my time.
0: The, the one thing that I just hit me now, um, and, I, and I'm thinking of uh, uh, so it's Santi Bueta, right? Uh, the, the marketing. It's interesting that, that you had, there's two of you. You've, you've got these lady legends in business, right? And both from APSA. Is that, that, that says a lot about the leadership there.
1: That's fair comment. Santi was there actually ahead of me. By the time I joined in 2003, Santi had already left the bank. But you are right. APSA, much as it was a very Africana bank, was very progressive in how they were um, certainly exposing women to top roles. And I can assure you there was no tokenism in it. Never forget, when I was appointed, Dr. Danny Cronier, who was the chairman then, called me in and said to me, you being appointed because you're different, and I want to see the difference. And I didn't quite understand it until I had my first run-in with a couple of my male colleagues. <laughs> and he said to me, you were not appointed to be the same. Yeah. So I want to hear the difference yes. in how you solve this. Wow. And then I knew I had the support to do what I needed to mm-hmm. do. And all I can say, Jacques, is did I but do it?
0: <laughs> 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 Yellow yeah, yeah, Wilmos. Wilmos. <laughs> Land Bank at the time, again, talk about cultures, different. I mean, diff- obviously different uh, target market. I mean, if you can compare the two.
1: Completely different. The first one was, uh, um, it was a government institution. You know, people saw themselves as public servants and, you know, it was... Was it slow?
0: Is it, is it slow? It's slow. a t- typical it was, government.
1: In fact, I can give you just by, by way of an example. When I came in there, I'm known to be... Uh, I don't waste too much time. I don't suffer fools gladly. So as chief operating officer, my office was, you know, like just right outside where men used to have to walk to go to the bathrooms and women. But we used to have those old linoleum floors. You know, the ones that used to be shining. Mm. Very, definitely government. <laughs> and you'd find guys walking by and you'd kind of hear patter patter. Oh,
0: it's pata, like this the, the speed. And I a lack of you, it. <laughs> somebody
1: said to me they can quickly hear it's me going to the bathroom because I would tip 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 tip. The men didn't do that. And then that was my key to drive productivity. And I would go stand in the door and say, "Well, really get onto it now, please. We've got work to do in this place." (laughs) Guys used to literally fly past my office after that comment. So we did drive productivity,
0: and you could hear the productivity increase. Absolutely, (laughs) 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 lot of fun. So what happened after Absa? So what was that journey? Uh, And again, where where were you based then? In Cape Town? No, no. So always up here?
1: Always up here at head office first of Land Bank and then head office of APSA in the city centre, where it still is today. And um, great experience, wonderful exposure. I got to study all over the world. Harvard, um, I got to study at INSEAD, For those of you who may not know, INSEAD is just another Harvard, but it's for the Europeans. You remember, there's always this kind of uh, tension between America and Europe who's got the best of what. So I got to study at them both. And INSEAD even has a branch out in Singapore, got to study there. And you know what's so amazing about that? It didn't cost me a cent. Well, it was all because I was nominated. By my executive or my ex co to go and study abroad. And I my thank God for the opportunity.
0: What's uh so again if you compare the two? What what jumped out, you know, studying Harvard? Well, let's say Europe versus America again, if you have to to and again, and as far as the content, again, I'm I'm a huge I hate theory. it's coming back to your point earlier yeah, yeah, yeah. about uh the invoice. Yeah. Um could you apply what you've learned there? Could you hit, hit the ground running? And who stood out from that standpoint, the Americans or, or the Europeans?
1: That's actually a hard one because the programs I did were so fundamentally different. But the Americans are all about quick wins today. The so
0: so less, less, so not so long term focus.
1: Not so long term. I'd prefer to, if I can, rather compare not so much NCAD and Harvard rather than transactions I've been involved with both in the East and in the West. Okay. And there it's going to be, you know, the world superpowers, America versus China. America, as well as Europe, would want instant results. The Barclays drive was about productivity this year, upping the targets this year. Well, I find the Chinese to be a s- very subtle and very mm. long term. So they would not have an immediate return on investment, but you'd feel them from about year five, six, and seven. Okay. And in year 20 they're Literally all over you, yes,
0: yes, so that's a
1: very different strategy. So, I don't want to answer it from a university perspective. I rather but there's, think that
0: there's the, the way of doing business, the way culture, of,
1: yeah, West and East are so fundamentally different. I think that's a lot richer as an yes. example.
0: No, no, that's, that's a great example. And as far as the Chinese, I mean, I how, how did uh, from, from a business, I mean, they these, these guys are, I mean, so disciplined, right? And 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 the fact that you if you long term focus that's… S- slow and steady wins the race i mean it's 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 the better strategy in my opinion okay. what stands out about that i mean do, do they study business differently i mean obviously entrepreneurship is pretty young and uh, uh in, in 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 i guess what's it about last 20-25 years that they've really opened up for capitalism
1: mm. let me answer you this way that year when I was in the U.S. Work, studying there and working on Wall Street amongst others, you found universities in the U.S. almost 80% um, attended by Easterners. Indians, Chinese, Singaporeans, Japanese. So they learned the, the strategies over there. They took it back to their country. And then
0: they again they adapted it. Uh, Yes. That is ah. And
1: I think that has given them the edge in terms of I mean, today you've got cars. Um who you would normally have said your German models are the best in the world. Your German models, the best engineers are today working for the likes of an Hubble. Have you seen that model go?
0: Yeah, I mean but and that's and that's technically I mean it's just clever. St- Buying Volvo and effectively now taking the technologies and adapting it. There we go.
1: And then getting all the perks or all the tax incentives. So you buy Havel today, I reckon if you buy it in about two years' time, it's going to be significantly more. Mm. But you've got all the creature comforts that you'd have in a Merc.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: Ask me, I've just gone there.
0: And I drive. I, I, I drive a Volvo. So, by I, the I, I, way, I've <laughs> just gotten.
1: I'm getting. In fact, next week, Wednesday, I'm getting the hybrid. Ah. Where we're talking about five two liters of petrol for a hundred kilometers.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Versus my sixty three ml AMG, where I'm twenty two liters for a hundred kilometers. Twenty five <laughs> percent of the petrol cost per. Month. Oh
0: my goodness. That's an absolute dream,
1: <laughs> with all the creature comforts to boot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> This is not an advertisement. No,
1: I'm sorry. I, 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 have I apologize.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what, going back to, to your your banking days, what did you love about? Is there something specifically you loved in business? I mean, all of that's something that we, and normally it's what you're good at. But what what was... What did you enjoy most? Strategy, marketing, people management. What's that thing? Even today, what, what's that, that one thing that rocks your boat?
1: Making an impact where it matters the most. An example of that in banking, I got about 3,000 tellers to look after at the time, 2005. And I soon found that they were paid the least across all the banks. I then took a proposition to my executive colleagues, and I said, if I were to up the income on the front line, I want 45% of the uplift. That's something I learned in the US, by the way. It was a program called the Revenue Incentive Program, where you measure everything that's being done by the tea lady, by the inquiry count, and you monetize it. Wow. And of course, there was a lot of skepticism at the time, because like, I mean, really, you're going to do this thing? I won't tell you some of the comments that I had to (laughs) deal
0: with. We
1: won't expose anyone today. The truth of the matter is it took me three months, and I turned that trip around. Every year for five years, I took a 100 people from the front line of ABSA, either on cruises on the Mediterranean or somewhere in the world that those people would never even have seen. Many of the staff members who went on those trips called the best of the best with me had never even left their hometowns. Wow. Deep, rural to come to Joburg, let alone deep rural, come to Joburg and then fly off into the sunset. So it was making an impact where it mattered the most.
0: And just, and I guess it's again, it's that front line, it's acknowledging, it's it's one of the the best business books I've read. It's actually a parable, which like I think a lot of great business books, if it's written as a parable, it it just sinks in easier. But um, it was The Dream Manager, because I had a, commercial cleaning business in London. And it's like, how do you motivate someone that's, that they feel, well, you know, that's technically a dead-end job. You're a mop. You're a cleaner. And the bottom line was, you need to identify what their dream is and become the stepping stone. And if you if you become the stepping stone, it's like, I'm not going to fire you if you tell me you want to, you wanna, two years from now, I want to be the manager somewhere else. I'm not going to fire you. I'm going to help you get there. But the person who shows up the next day that productivity that commitment money can't buy it
1: totally agree with you you'll remember the example i gave you about going to work at half past six every morning versus starting at half past eight removing gym clips and paper clips mm. so that the productivity could be increased was a principle that stuck with me always so i always ask the question when you talk to me about successful people how long have they been at it because if you are a cleaning lady and you've been doing it for 20 years, the best I can do for you is to show you how to be the best cleaning lady and how to not get the promotion but to get the rewards that goes with that. Yeah, yeah. I've been known to give bonuses to cleaning ladies and I was asked if I'm crazy. I don't believe in that because that helps to drive productivity at every level.
0: Sure. Love it. What, and what's the, what, what are the best stories? with? Was it back in the 60s with Kennedy? With they were setting up NASA, mm-hmm. and he stopped the cleaner. He said, "What do you do?" And he said, I, "I I help. I'm helping put a man on the moon. It's not I'm not I'm not cleaning the floors. I I'm helping put a man on the moon." So that tells me again that culture that that attitude, everybody's contributing.
1: Absolutely
0: to to the objective.
1: Jacques, to just add on to that, I think this is where that revenue incentive program I spoke of earlier, and for a leader to understand from making a cup of tea in the morning to balancing the books at the end of the year and having a clean audit how every activity has got to be priced because as a leader you cannot lead if you don't know the price of every activity and the quantum if you monetize it of every role because <laughs> if you don't understand the granularity you're going to make mistakes like cutting out the you're going to cut out the bone Mm. And find that your business collapses because you do not have the detailed knowledge to make the decisions that can make your business either fall or fly.
0: How, do you, how, do you, how did you approach from a, a, a qualitative point of view? So it's, it's, I, I was recently, in of last year, I was reflecting. Um, and again, this is about, yeah, this is 10 years ago. One of the, the biggest mistakes I made was I had this uh, rock star in the office. It's a Polish lady. And at one stage, we were we were running out of cash. We were actually growing too fast. So it's a, it's a, I would say it's a good problem. It's Good quality a, a, problem. Yeah. Um, and suddenly, her salary started bothering me. The cost started bothering me. And it took me, I think, a good six, seven years to realize I made a hell of a mistake. It was the biggest mistake I made at that time was to... And I did. I did work out. I made her life... Was an unpleasant environment, and, and 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 I put my hand up and I said because suddenly it was about cost, but I did not understand the impact she had on the business. And by the way, I reckon things would have been 180 degrees different if if I kept her on. How do you how do you measure that quality component?
1: Well, let me we start out by saying. You know, the seven years, obviously, that it took you is obviously a lot longer than one would hope because Mm. the the cost of that, that would be a sunk cost in your business as you very well articulated now. But as a leader is to be able to understand your cost structure for every job in your business. Mm. So don't just say somebody's a teller. What does that mean? What are the activities? And then you break down your bottom line profit right down to the front line. And don't tell me it cannot be done. You've got very smart people around. In fact, I think there are even programs on the computer today where you can put that in and it can take your overall profit and dissect it for you right down to the front line. Sure. Takes a lot of hard work. Mm. If you haven't got a system to do it, it's for you to understand the granularity of your business to give you that information. Sure. Because had you had that, you would have probably after year one have said, this is costing me way too much money. Mm -hmm. Look, it's obviously easier said than done. Yes. But what I'm saying is it's possible. And it's possible.
0: It's possible. It's
1: almost critical for it to be done Mm -hmm. to sustain growth and uh, sustain um, an acceptable growth above CPI Mm -hmm. for you in your business every year. Mm -hmm.
0: And I mean, one of the the, the one-dimensional – I mean, there's two one-dimensional – measurements it's it's today is the size of a company measured by the number of employees i still think i'll show you a 500 million rand business with five employees what what do you mean it has to be zero by the way like one to 50 is medium and all that nonsense which i find amazing given high-tech companies that have are not labor intensive and then one of the american ways of measuring profitability or the success of business is revenue per employee and that to me is also i don't know am i missing something for me it's very one dimensional or does because what you're saying is that it's it's calculating contribution to and that's just a matter of saying we've got 10 people we divide it and that's in the story that that to me is is it's too simple
1: look it is really driven you driven by revenue per head that is really how it's driven but how you keep the head incentivized to do better I guess is the key.
0: That's that's the most important.
1: That's the kicker, because if I say you are the top teller, and I know how much money you make, and I see what's on the bottom line, I can then determine how much of a bonus I give you. Mm. Because if I cannot distinguish A from B, I'm going to give a flat line increase, which is what really what the most lazy leaders do.
0: And you shouldn't, because and you, you shouldn't. want the best of the best being rewarded, and they're going to continue to lift their game.
1: Correct. And, and you want to exit uh-huh. those who does not meet their
0: hurdles. Yes. You yes. want to be able to do that. Uh-huh. And
1: uh-huh. you cannot do it if you do not measure it.
0: Yes, yes. Great example. Journey after banking. So what, you did you, the corporate life, did that end in banking? What, what, what happened after Barclays?
1: Yeah, it actually did end in banking. But I then started my own consulting firm in about, I retired in 2010, took an early retirement. There were some uh, changes within Apps at the time, and I felt it was a good time for me to bow out. Um, I then went on to become um, chairman of quite a few boards and still sit on quite a few boards today, as well as doing pieces of work, management consulting work, to do uplifting of balance sheets, to help people to turn around their businesses Many small businesses are generally just stuck. They just don't know how to get out of a rut. So I would just help them rejig things, talk to the bank, restructure their, you know, the the exposure, and help them. Eighty-three fights so to say.
0: Yes, yes, there is Yes, <laughs> <laughs> so what? What uh, are you allowed to say? What boards you sit on?
1: Yeah, I'm sure there's no problem with that. Currently, I sit on the PG Group. I mean, PG is more than 100 years old. I sit on the board of Accenture Foundation. Um, Senves Holdings in the Northwest, Kyle Carr um, in Uppington, and a couple of others. I'm just not it's like so right. many, yeah, yeah. I
0: can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. What stands out? I mean, as far as, again, learnings, interesting facts. If you look at these different types, I mean, Xara, exactly what? Mining. So mining, agriculture, uh, uh, FMCG, right? So what, what is interesting if you have to single out, again, things you've seen uh, and, of course, I think even in a South African context, what, what are the opportunities? What are the dangers, so, so to speak?
1: Look, corporate governance has become a big discussion point in this country. And my only or my biggest takeout has been just remain true to what is before you. As a board member, certainly my experience, do not get involved operationally because it's very easy to cross over from being a board member where you're supposed to have a helicopter view Mm. and direct to getting into the trenches and wanting to fix it yourself because that was my background. Mm. I was the operations head. I used to run all these things.
0: So you literally have to sit on your hands because you... You You you, literally
1: have to, and you have to use your brain and your experience to influence mm. the person who must then operationalize whatever it is that's being discussed.
0: So what's 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 uh, exciting at at this stage? Any particular industry that jumps out?
1: I still think banking is very exciting. Um, my and this is a gut feel and just my personal view. I think that there's a lot of enhancements and enrichments that still needs to take place. I almost feel like we're not moving fast enough.
0: Really, even though I, I mean, we are world class, right? I mean, yeah. But uh, but as far as South Africa is concerned, yeah, we've yeah. got our own standard that that yeah. we need to maintain or exceed, and you feel that's not happening.
1: Let let me tell you why I say that. Remember we spoke about what is it that, you know, what is my biggest interest? You asked me that, and I said it's to make an impact where it matters. Mm. And I am not convinced that we have, that we are making the biggest impact where the need is in the banking environment in this country. And I think we spoke about it earlier. If you look at, for example, the Grameen model of banking in India, Yes. It's taking banking to the poorest of the poor and still make money. But you cannot make money up front. You make it over the years as you empower people who you are
0: play the Chinese uh, game. Indian. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. no, the, the, Ch- the long take the long-term view. Yeah, exactly. You have to you have to be patient.
1: Which is why I called it the eastern versus the versus the western mm, strategy mm. because you know obviously you've got both of those countries on the east. So I think more could have been done. By being a lot smarter. And this is where I'd want to introduce, at one point in time, I was the president of the Afrikaans Handels Institute, the Afrikaans Chamber of Business. Yes. I was their first woman president in their 66-year history at the time. Wow. And for me, the reason I so appreciated the opportunity is I saw the value of having business chambers out in those far-flung areas where there's no real support structures or no real um, training capabilities, taking it through various chambers to the front lines. And I mean, today, I know, I don't think the AHI is much at play. I know you've got an SBI. Yes, they're
0: rebranded.
1: Absolutely. And I really believe, you know, that a couple of corporates supporting your SBI can achieve that, which I know that we worked so hard on years ago. You've got big corporates, we all want to see. We want to see the country grow. There's one way to do it: support a group like in my time, the the HI, now the SBI, so that the work can get done in the front line, and you create a system where you actually develop, grow, show opportunities to the smallest of the small to come through and grow together. For so, me, if that's an answer.
0: So it's it's actually and again, it's a, it's a fantastic example, in that, and and and. My observation is that with a lot of these let's call them uh, uh, whether it be business chambers or uh, uh, a member uh, um, based businesses there's there's with the sponsors that it's 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 a there's a laziness it's like we'll write the check and that's it and we have our brand but we're not making impacts in a lot of the cases unfortunately it's also it's ticking that CSI box Can I just take the Take the 50 million and now we can get on with making money. It's coming back to, so in this instance, it's let's stick to our core, but let's focus on our core business, but it's at the cost of meaningful impact. And I think, so how, how do you address that? I mean, so, and again, who sits there? Who's that person? And I guess that's the opportunity and the problem. Is that person that just sits there with this uh, BE scorecard and just says, I don't care, the CSI box, stick, take, take the money and and off you go. Ooh, that there's there's the problem. <laughs> well,
1: you know uh, that I think is an interview all on its own. But oh. let me try and answer you this way: It's the CSI, obviously, is, is one component of the Triple B Double E scorecard, which in this country should determine how much business you can do with government or not. So, the, you know, or, or just do in this country, by the way.
0: Yes, yes.
1: So it's not just government. So. Corporate social investment is interesting as it forms a component of the scorecard. Having said that, the biggest challenge I always had for businesses is that we find businesses wanting to support initiatives, but only where they have got branches. Now, think about that. Then for me, that's not corporate social investment. It's not. That's marketing money.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And there is a challenge and something that I think needs to be spoken of more broadly to find out... Where are corporates investing? Because if ultimately we are saying we want to reach deep rural and corporates do not have the capacity because they are not on the ground themselves, that's then my push to say, then fund an SBI who will do it for you, who will have people in those communities, maybe business people themselves, to be able to train. To help to support people where businesses do not have a presence, but in uplifting people on the ground, that I think becomes part of our solution.
0: Yeah, and it's not, and it's a massive difference between marketing. I'm stating the obvious: marketing and upliftment. But it should be upliftment, and I think it's that's the problem. They see it as marketing, right? We we give our half a million, and we pop our banner up on the wall there. That's a job done. No, 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 no. It's there's a big, that. there's a big opportunity. Yeah.
1: Well, you see, I talk for and against it. Having run a bank myself, it is harder if I do not have a branch in Pofada, to have somebody to go to Pofada to help small business on the ground. That's where I think organized business, yes. like the IHI, so it's in effectively my-
0: outsourcing it. It's just outsourcing exactly.
1: it. But but for corporates to support or big business to support groups such as that so that the upliftment, the hand-holding, and the skills transfer can happen in the front. Because remember, those small businesses do not have the capacity to pay for membership fees. I just think the upliftment of small businesses deep rural is definitely big business's problem, not whether they are there or not. So if they can't get there, pay an organization who can get there, who can help. Because by growing those small businesses, it's an ecosystem that just means we print money.
0: Mm. Mm. So let's talk about those remote areas, the, the Gramea model. Let's talk about farming. And we spoke about subsistence farming. I, I believe, and again, I was sitting last week, so we had discussing Africa strategies, this presentation. Uh, we've got uh, the Belgium King yeah. So yesterday, you know, again, talking about exports, blah, blah, blah. Um, and somehow and, – and they talk about exports. So it's almost like, yeah, we need to uh, – uh, President Ramaphosa was talking about the citrus farmers now. So these these upcoming black citrus farmers, blah, blah, blah. But no one talks about, okay, what what what's happening on the ground there? And not so much how do you – Get like again, we're talking about an example in Transkai now. Uh, they've got they the, the community has pulled together. They've got ten thousand hectare farm there, but it's a but it's it's that it's interesting. The point is what I'm trying to make is that no one talks about the subsistence farm farming model as a massive first win. It's almost like we have to beat the 350 rand a month. That's, that's the target. We need to get to 351 rand, right? Mm. <laughs> if we can get that family, that person off that 351 or 350 in this case, that's the first win. And, and no one's talking about that. And I don't know, is it because it's that hard or is it because it's that obvious that <laughs> we miss it?
1: I think the truth is anything of a subsistence nature is hard. For business to be involved there is very expensive. And by the way, the bank in the East, in India, is called the Grameen.
0: Oh, sorry, Gr- I said Grameen. Uh, Grameen, Grameen the Grameen yes.
1: Bank, and it's or the Grameen model. Yes. It's known the world over for going in and offering credit to the poorest of the poor, taking a subsistence farmer, helping them to grow beyond the subsistence level. Of your 351 is what you spoke about. Because what... There's a huge opportunity. If we can get people off the government payroll because of, you know, this is all they have. Can you imagine what we do to the country coffers Mm. if we make everybody more self-sustainable? If we think about that, I mean, we'd be saving billions of rands as a country if we can help people to come off the sasa grants, Mm. to come off whatever grant capabilities there are out there. And somehow, as you correctly point out, it just appears that there's no real appetite to move people from subsistence. I mean, I know we're talking farming, yeah. but a subsistence living to one of creating an income for themselves and their family and growing economically. Mm. There is a lack. Now, I,
0: Do I we have pockets of excellence, though? Because I think that's always, uh, and I mentioned earlier, is that we are fabulous at operating in silos. Excuse the pun, right? even more so in farming where, and again, we talked about, you have farmers that have wonderful uh, uh, examples of community farm worker uh, uh, development. But again, it's, it, it happens in isolation. It's like the guys in Cape town or in the Western Cape don't know about what's happening. And I don't know what's happening in the free state. So isn't that in itself, the opportunity is that the opportunity to pull those case studies together and start sharing ideas and win recipes.
1: I totally agree with you. I think, you know, we are politically so siloed that there doesn't seem to be the the will to consolidate it so that we have a better understanding of those individual pockets of excellence. You almost need, I don't want to call it a politics, maybe a group, a private sector operation where we go around the country and, you know, put together all of those successes. Map it, map, map it. and put down the success story so as a country we can understand what the pearls are that we sit within our hands. Because mm. I believe, as you correctly point out, how many farmers do we not know who's turned around the very lives of the people working for them? Both black and white commercial farmers. Mm. But we don't talk about that. We're always no. hearing about all the problems. Yeah. You know, I just sometimes think that we've gotten into the spin of negative narratives. That when there is a positive narrative, nobody even wants to. So
0: it's, not, se- it's it. not sexy.
1: It's not <laughs> sexy. Why do we hate ourselves so much? Is my question. You can't be great if you don't acknowledge just the few things that you do right.
0: Mm. True, and again, it's it's we don't other than the fact that we don't learn from one another or celebrate those those even small wins we don't learn from other countries. I mean, and again, it's it's taking your example of taking what, what example with the Chinese, they study in America, they take it, they make it better, make it work over there. So again, why are we not studying India agriculture closer? Let's put it this way. There isn't a the incentive or let's put it the way, the consequences of not doing it right, not doing it is not big enough. Agreed. You need to get a law, if you and, and I think that that's what's missing. Instead of the box ticking, uh, so it's almost like you're dependent on the the, the good naturedness of the CEO, Absolutely. <laughs> or, a, other, or the person in charge. Otherwise, yeah. it's a box ticking exercise.
1: Yeah, look, let me let me put it to you this way. I think as South Africans, we don't spot the opportunities fast enough. We are so we get dragged into this quagmire of this is how bad things are. We don't look at those pearls or those absolutely fundamental um, opportunities that exist. I mean, let me mention one by way of example. This year, South Africa chairs the BRICS environment Mm -hmm. on every level. Agriculture, health, all of it. Have any of us spoken about the opportunity that that creates? Good heavens. I mean, here we're sitting. We're talking about it. We're not even talking about that. China... Brazil, India, Russia. I mean, South Africa, sure, much smaller, but we are cheering it this year. Here's the we question. We've got access.
0: We've got access. We've got access. We got, oh.
1: There's markets. They are going to be in our country for goodness knows what looking for. And I mean,
0: we talk about agriculture. We talk about I mean, agriculture. A, a, this, is, this is perfect, right? Yeah.
1: Why are we not shouting from the rooftops? Now, I know that there's this whole tension from east to west. Mm. Guys, can we be less focused on their tension and worry about our opportunities? Mm. Why are we not leveraging that? Why is business not talking about that more? Would be my question.
0: So I guess that that's really, and again, it's not something we can, we can't leave this for government, even if we did, nothing will happen. Do you think coming back to the SBI example where, you know, you need these chambers it's almost like what's happening we we have these pockets where you've got um and, and it happens where john deere for example will take some of the big farmers on a on a tour in the country i know there's one guy i met him last year at nampu his business he's been doing it i think for 10 years he takes six to seven big farmers and he's got this three-week trip through texas visiting these different types of farmers so it, it, it becomes a hell of a uh a, a learning curve right um it sounds like we need something like that, and that's the opportunity to, for, for a chamber or, or, or organized business to say, let's, let's ten take hands, let's combine, and let's go, let's go do something. Let's go and open up. Let's create a case study. But again, I'm, I, I don't know if it, it, why it's not happening. Is this not good for business? Is it not? I don't know.
1: Look, the irony of that example is that when BRICS was established, that's exactly what happened. I was part of the delegation that went with to Brazil, Russia, India, China at the time. And that was business funded. I did not pay for myself. I was with the bank. So business took groups of people with governments to go and look at what are the opportunities. And that's how BRICS was established. So hmm. what you're saying is, it's just... We've been around that block. We've been around the block. We know that it's successful. And, you know, you could say, yeah, but hold on, it was just big business. No, it wasn't. I believe at the time, big business paid for one or two small developing, whether it was doctors you know, or, or, or researchers working on vaccines or, or farmers or miners. There were people there from community-based organizations who went over with us who did not have big jobs at the time. So that, is, that was there. I guess the question is, why did we throw the baby out with the bathwater? If certain things worked, yes. why did we not continue that?
0: Yes. Just built that momentum. Correct. I think it's on the one hand, again, disappointing. Other hand, very exciting. I mean, that's the thing. We haven't scratched the surface. I think that's, that's what's very, very exciting sure. at the end of the day. How, what, what's your and the last question? What is your, if you have to gauge the environment across, again, these different companies, industries, what's the vibe like? What's the, what do you, what's, what's the energy in the room like?
1: Look, business, my experience in business South Africa today is, um, well, I'm going to go beyond the borders of South Africa, business out there is there are a lot of moving parts. Um, it's no longer business as usual. You now need to budget for having electricity cuts and bringing in inverters and generators. Um, in the South African context, we need to make sure that we understand what's happening in our municipalities, our place of trade. Do they still trade the same way? or do we have to mitigate our risks differently? And this is where, once again, I say, being part of a chamber helps you. Because as an individual, whether a farmer or a miner, you cannot operate in a silo. You will not necessarily have access to legislative changes or opportunities that may be coming your way. But grouping such as the AHI of old would help you to navigate and traverse that and also to take up the opportunities as they arise. I think there's more hand-holding required in South Africa. We've got to take our heads out of the darkness and the doldrums where we find a lot of people, personal and business today, and start looking at the tomorrows and seeing that the sun comes up every morning. And it is. Who goes first, the lion or the gazelle?
0: Hmm.
1: You need to decide. In closing. Yeah. Which one are you?
0: Love it. Bonita, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It was fascinating. Fascinating. I've got a lot of more questions, but <laughs> I want to continue over a bride.
1: <laughs> With pleasure. Ready when you are. <laughs> I
0: hope 2023 has a great year for you.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave a review and follow us on social media at biz.com. B-I-Z Crush